Most musicians have a love-hate relationship with their loop pedals. These little or big devices can have a hugely positive influence on the creative process, but can also make things more complex than they need to be. In this podcast episode, I'm going to go over the common mistakes people make with loop pedals, and more importantly, how to overcome them. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, wherever you're listening from. My name is JP, and welcome to episode 9 on the John Paul Music UK podcast. Today, I'm talking about mistakes with a loop pedal and how to overcome them. Now, before we get going, this podcast is actually sponsored by our friends over at DistroKid. DistroKid is a music distribution company. So if you've got songs and you want to get them out there in the world, you upload your music to DistroKid and they push it out to all the online stores and music sites around the world. Places like Spotify, Apple Music, Amazon Music, Pandora, Deezer, and loads of different ones out there, including things like social media sites like Facebook, Instagram, and even TikTok. Now, a lot of music other distributors charge you per release. Districa don't do this, they charge you one price per year, which is $19.99. And that's to upload as much music as you want in an entire year. That could be singles, LPs, EPs, anything you want, acoustic sessions, live stream sessions, obviously of your own music. They have a couple of different tiers too, so they have the base one, which is $19.99. They also have Musicians Plus, which is what I'm on, which gives you two different outfits, and also you can schedule the date of the release. And they even have a label option as well. Now we have a link that's in the show notes where if you click on that, that will actually give you 7% off your first annual membership, no matter which tier you choose. So I just want to say a quick thank you to DistroKid for sponsoring this podcast. So if you're looking at releasing music in 2022 and into 2023, have a look at the link in the show notes and start distributing your music today. Now the first thing about making mistakes with a loop pedal is starting too soon. This is the most common mistake I see people make when they first start using a loop pedal. After all, it's easy to just hit play and then get lost in your jamming session. But once you've played through your entire pattern, you're going to have to start over from scratch if you don't pay attention and keep the track of where you are and in relation to the beginning of your loop. So if you're new to this, then try putting down one steady rhythm before adding any melodies or counter melodies on top of it. This will train both your hands and your feet depending on which paddle you use and all the time that you need between each note or chord change so that everything lines up correctly when you're playing live or recording later on down the road. Timing is everything and getting that first loop down is like the golden goose to making sure that loop sounds great. The next one is recording all the loops at once. First of all, you don't want to end up with all of your loops sounding exactly the same. That'll make it harder for your audience to tell them apart when you're playing live, or it'll just get plain boring. There are a few ways to try and avoid this problem. The first one is don't overuse a loop paddle. This might sound like obvious advice, but it needs saying because there's an inherent temptation when you use these pedals or other gadgets to just simply keep using them until your song just starts to sound overwhelming to both the audience and you, or it just sounds too samey. Just because you can do something, it doesn't mean that you should. The other thing is don't overuse one sound either, especially if it's a sound like an acoustic instrument like a piano or a guitar. We tend towards familiarity as human beings, and our brains can get bored if we hear too much of something familiar in music, which isn't necessarily bad. But in the terms of looping, I think it's worth considering whether you need both guitar parts in two separate loops, for example, or whether one would suffice. Maybe even changing up the rhythm pattern so things aren't quite so predictable. Finally, in this section, be careful about adding effects like reverb into your loops too soon after you record them. It's usually best leaving this to last as not to muddy up what could otherwise be a clean sounding recording. Of course, if that is the sound you want to loop, then go for it. But just make sure when you're recording all your loops 
don't record them all at once because you could just bore the audience. And this leads me nicely on to overusing the loop pedal. Try to avoid overusing the loop pedal. The reason you want to avoid this is because you're just starting out with one. And it can feel like some kind of magic power in your hands. You're able to go, wow, this thing is so cool. I can play my entire set with this loop pedal. But then after a while, you start to figure out that you need to deconstruct all your songs. It can end up being more work than fun. Your brain can get tired and bored by repeating the same things over and over again. So to begin with, if you've got two 45-minute sets, you're not using the looper for every single performance. So maybe, as a suggestion, if you're just starting out with looping, maybe just use the looper for the rhythm section or to create a beat, or maybe you're using the looper in one and every three songs. Now the next thing is not using the right type of loop pedal. The first thing you want to look for in a loop pedal is ease of use. If it's way too complicated to set up, or you're frustrated going through all the presets, then you're wasting your time and energy that could be put towards actually making music. The second thing is portability. While some musicians have their own soundproof studio in their basement, others will find themselves playing at coffee shops or festivals where they need their gear to be easy to carry as possible in order to not disturb other customers or bandmates with loads of cables and equipment all over the floor. Plus, you don't want to spend 40 minutes setting up for a 40-minute set. The ideal with portability is to be able to bring the loop pedal and all your effects, maybe on a pedal board or something where it's really easy to set up, plug in and start playing. The third consideration should be whether your loop pedal works with your other pedals. Some models are specifically designed for certain types of effects. For example, the Boss RC505 does lean towards more effects for things like vocals with those two big dials where you use your hands to affect your loops or affect the instruments or the vocals coming in. It's more like DJing than playing, where if it's a loop pedal, it's predominantly going to be on the floor and be used with your feet. If you're using something like Ableton or using an iPad, you then need to make sure that all your other effects work through it, whether that's live effects going into an audio interface or the other programs that you work with inside your DAW. So some models are specifically designed for certain types of looping. So if yours doesn't work well with that type of style, that music style you're creating, it might not come out with the best result when used together with your other devices. So find the right kind of looper for you. If you want more in-depth information than that, dial back to episode 6 where we talk about how to choose a looper. Now, one of the big mistakes, certainly in a live performance, is forgetting to close the loop in time. And believe me, even I've done this. If you're using a loop pedal, there are two ways to record your loops. You can set the loop length and play it through one time before recording. This is quick and easy, but if you forget to close the loop in time, then your recorded material will be incomplete or overlapping. Maybe you start the rhythm to get the timing right, you record a four bar loop, you're well into it, and then you've forgotten to press that button to close the loop. You've either got two choices at this point. You can either carry on and do another four bars and you'll have to close it a loop again, or you're going to have to erase it. If it's not in time with the structure of the loop, you're going to find that really difficult. Now, the other way is you can start recording immediately after you hit record on the looper. This way gives you more flexibility in terms of how many times each part is repeated before your recording is over. However, if you forget to close that loop before the recording starts again, you'll then get caught up in any unwanted noise at the beginning or the end of the overdubs that were not intended for that section. The other thing you can do, of course, with some loopers is you can dictate how many bars it's going to actually be. This is really handy because you can then say, well, I record four bars. You don't have to then press the button a second time. It'll automatically close and you can carry on with your performance. It also means that you don't have to worry about getting that perfect take because you know full well, as long as you keep in time, it'll automatically close that loop for you. 
Now, some more advanced loopers do this, but some loopers don't. So it's worth checking the manual of your looper or loop station, whichever you're using, to see if you have that feature. Now, this might sound like a bit of a weird one, but one of the mistakes I see is trying to be perfect. Don't try to be perfect. You will muck up a loop but you shouldn't worry about it. If you're playing in front of other people, the most important thing is enjoying yourself and having fun with your music. Even if you mess up a little bit here and there, don't let it discourage you from continuing on. I guarantee that every musician has made a mistake at some point. Even musicians that you love and know, and I bet you there are YouTube videos about them making mistakes as well. The key is to not let those imperfections stop you from playing your best. Instead, embrace them as opportunities for growth and improvement. The other part of trying to be perfect is trying to get the song perfect. You may have made a full studio version of your song, or you've done a studio performance of a cover, but then looping it, it doesn't have to have every single element from the CD or from the radio edit version of the actual song to be perfect. When playing live, the audience can actually fill in the gaps. As long as you've got the main elements of the song so it translates well in a live environment, you don't have to put every single thing down. Now, if you're relatively new to looping, no matter what you're using, what I've just talked about might slightly derail you, but please don't worry, and please persist, because there's three things I now want to talk to you about which will help you. The first one is start a basic loop. Just start a basic loop that has a couple of options on it. Maybe you've created a beat, maybe you've just created four chords, and then you want to overdub a bass line. It's real easy to watch other people on YouTube or watch other people live and go, I'll never get to that level. Well, I'm here to tell you that everyone started at zero and we all had to learn a loop paddle or a loop machine in some way. Once you become comfortable with what you're using, then that's when you start pushing the boundaries of what's capable. And then as your technique improves and the use of more creative effects becomes necessary in order to make your music stand out from the crowd and not get buried by it, then consider upgrading to a more complex or versatile looper. The next one is so obvious and everyone hates, but it's practice. Even if that means just setting up some loops while sitting on the couch at home. You'll actually be surprised by how much more natural and relaxed you feel when you do eventually perform live. Practice in front of your friends or family members who you trust, who won't just say, yeah, it's good or great. You want constructive, honest feedback. And they'll tell you if something sounds awkward or out of place, so you can adjust it accordingly before going out to the public as a new loop artist, armed with an arsenal of loops at your disposal without having spent years developing the craft first. For me, I find it more entertaining and better to see someone do five loop songs really well in a 45-minute set than trying to put a loop pedal into every single song, but you haven't rehearsed it and it doesn't sound that great. Now, the next one is actually training your ears for looping. This is crucial because it takes time for your ears and your fingers and your feet to get used to what sounds good when playing live with a looper. And if there are mistakes at first, that's okay. Don't get frustrated if little things don't go as planned. Just keep practicing until they do go according to plan. And hopefully even better than expected. You might also want help from other musicians at first, so they don't have to any surprises either. This is if you're looping in a band or a duo or a trio, or you're using a loop paddle within that scenario. Training your ears alongside your other bandmates for the loop parts will make things a lot easier as opposed to when no one knows when you're going to press that button. Now, if you want to take this even further, I have a course which is called How to Loop Like a Pro. It's a concise and fast course to get you up and running really, really quickly. 
We go into timing, we go into song structure, and so much more. The course actually retails at $97, but if you go to the checkout and you put the words loop like a pro, all in capitals, that's loop like a pro, then that will give you $30 off, bringing the course down to $67. By grabbing that course, you're going to have me at your side, taking you through some of the techniques that I've learned over the past 10 to 15 years, making sure you can loop like a pro. And if you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts, I'd really appreciate it if you can give us a review. That helps me, but it also helps push out to other people who might want to listen to it. Now that you know some of the common mistakes, but more importantly, how to overcome them, I hope you're excited to use a loop pedal. They're a great way of adding layers and dimensions to your music. And if this is your first time using one or you're really new using one, make sure that you take it slow at first. Don't jump into any complex loops or tricks that you've seen on YouTube until you've mastered the basics. Oh, and also remember, don't put too much pressure on yourself. Don't let mistakes get in the way of you enjoying yourself with this new instrument. And if all else fails, just break down the process, take it nice and slow and easy, and keep practicing. Now the final thing is, if you need me and you need my help and you want to work together, I actually have a way we can do coaching, and I have a coaching system on my website as well. So for the How Do You Loop course and my coaching, go to www.johnpaulmusic.co.uk and you can see them there on the main page. So I hope this has helped you with some of the mistakes of a loop pedal and how to overcome them. And please check out the rest of the episodes as we've got some fantastic interviews with some great loop artists. Thank you very much for listening, and I'll catch you in the next one. Mm -hmm.